I'm not lying, man. I want to make movies out of blood, origin, sperm, and tears. And I, I believe, I believe this one out. I got, I got to talk to someone. Dude, that doesn't make any sense. What? It's a jig, I swear to Christ. My line's in the middle of the road. As long as the bar is Philadelphia. Plenty of Everything but the little fishies. Yeah, well, here we are. We're recording Yeah, yeah our first so. podcast. And we're back. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back. Uh, welcome back. I know it's been a long time, folks. <laughs> to, to this week. I know it's been a real long time. Barbenheimer discussion. Barbenheimer discussion. <clears throat> but fuck, man. All right, we've cool. delayed this conversation for many, many days. I would like. Yes. Let's, let's, like, you know, podcast, no podcast, whatever. We're at least, we've been troubleshooting for yeah, quite yeah, a bit yeah. this morning. We're past that. But now, mm-hmm. fucking, which one are we talking about first? That's a good question. Do you have a preference? Um, I don't know. Which is, I mean, I guess you saw Barbie first. I saw Oppenheimer first. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Which one, where, where do you want to start? I guess we can start with Barbie. It's All a little right. bit lighter. Okay. I feel okay. like. Um, Barbie. Your initial impressions. Sure. My initial impressions of Barbie were, I mean, I liked it. Like, overall, <clears throat> I enjoyed the experience of watching that movie. I found it to be pretty hilarious, honestly. Um, yeah, I like, I really, I really like the aesthetics. I kind of like the completely over the top pink psychedelic uh just clusterfuck of it all totally. like I, I don't know it, it it's a very like it's an absurdly high concept movie yeah 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 and um i mean i think part of what i think it's it's like i'm very mixed about it ultimately though because i also felt, felt like there were a lot of parts of the movie that were just kind of embarrassing frankly or like really like undercooked and not cohesive in a way where it felt like it really came together there were like a lot of ideas a lot of things but there were i felt like there were just as many like interesting nuanced ideas as there were just completely crude over the top platitudes no, that totally. were just like really, you know, obnoxious to hear. Totally, totally. Um, I, 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 I think, don't know. Uh, what's her name? Uh, that that speech at the end that um, America Ferrera uh, gives. America Ferrera. Her speech yeah. is like that was, that was so cringy and embarrassing. Yeah. Like, but it also like doesn't and, feel self-aware in the way that like a lot of the rest of the movie does. Like that's the thing. Like so. I, I basically, like, I totally agree. Like, I, I think that, like, when I came out of the movie, I think that actually just coming out of the movie, my initial impression was, like, even, like, worse than, like, where it ended up or whatever. Like, I came out of the movie and, like, mm-hmm. Rasan and I walked out. It was just like, well, that was uneven, huh? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, fuck. Like, that was, that was a mess. <laughs> you know what I mean? Total mess. And then just, yeah. like, kind of started talking about it more and was like, well, yeah, it was doing this, though. And, like, it was, yeah, yeah, that was cool. Like, and just, you know, thinking about it more, kind of it grew on me, you know. Um, but, 
Yeah, yeah I do. Yeah. I do feel like a lot of it just like in the moment was just like, dude, really? Like this is, oh, I can't even, I can't even believe this is happening. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I was sitting in this theater watching, like I'm hating this. Um, and it wasn't until later that I kind of was like, oh, well, actually, no, I feel like I liked it. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm I'm kind of willing to accept that the movie's like a big troll in a lot of ways. But, yeah. like, it doesn't quite do enough to convince me of that. Yeah. Well, I mean, that that's... Or, or it's like there's a ton of compromises that we're unaware of or something. You know, they're dealing with this huge IP. And, like, not only are they, like, you know... They have the, not only do they have the responsibility of representing this IP, but like the parent company is so clearly heavily involved, right? And like sanctioning this very bizarre yet totally predictable deconstruction of their brand right. and them and everything, you know, because it doesn't end up ringing really true, honestly, when it comes to the way Mattel is being represented and stuff like that. The represent- yeah, 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 I can see that. I, I, I but, can agree with that. But, like, maybe, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but I think the Mattel stuff is something that, like, led to funny jokes and stuff like that, but ultimately falls flat as far as, like, what it talks about. Well, okay, know? so I think that the idea of the Mattel, like, the, the two worlds, the idea of the two worlds, the Barbie world and the real world, and how they interact with each other through Mattel, I thought is, like, actually an interesting sort of, like, conceptual idea in the in the writing stage. Like, you know what I mean? The idea that, mm-hmm. like, what Barbie is is this reflection of the real world and this idealized version of the real world or whatever that is a product of the real world. But then the real world is a product of this fantasy that Barbie's created and stuff. And, and like, I think that the back and forth between, like, I don't know, just, like, the, the way that influ- like media influences reality or whatever, like... Yeah, that sure. works really well in sort of an intellectual way or whatever. But then, like, I feel like the way it works out in the movie is so kind of like they come up with these rules and these things about the magic of it, like, the, and and it's so much about the corporation and the leaders of the corporation. Like, I, I don't know. It just becomes a plot thing that doesn't really end up. I mean, it just feels like a thing that was made in a boardroom. It's like, okay, we need this bad guy, and then you have this thing happen. Like it, it's also it, like Will Ferrell again, which is like a we're just gonna do the Lego movie, right. which like this movie has a lot of like, uh, you know, post Lego movie vibes, where it's like, are this this kind of comes really late, honestly. It feels like a, it feels more like a movie from 2015, right? Like, you know. Um, no, totally. And I, that's like, it really felt late to the game on a lot of that sort of meta commentary fun thing. Um, well, that, so does all this other shit that's coming out right now. That's like, it's being really done to death, yeah. you know, like the new season of black mirror and like, I mean, everything I everywhere know, all at like, once was kind of the meta thing that pretty much all, um, Marvel stuff at this point is yeah. like a snake eating its tail content dump thing. Right. Self self aware meta commentary on its own existence and like I don't yeah, I mean I think this is the kind of thing that really is it can be interesting and like worked in many contexts and many great artists have done a really great job of this. I mean I, we both really enjoyed everything everywhere all at once. Yeah. You know, I mean there's there's like 
you know, and like, you know, the meta self-referential comedy world of Rick and Morty, for instance, and it's just so in. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not above it. It's been really enjoyable, but it's also starting to feel like this new brand, like the new psychedelic fascism shit where like these corporations are sanctioning the, uh, the satirizing of them. And, and because of their self-awareness and this like deconstruction of themselves, it like somehow makes it more okay. And just like makes the whole, I don't know. It's hard to explain. It kind of feels like the whole way, that like the establishment won in the sixties, well, so just I, kind of like, I think the part of it is like the deconstruction itself, like doesn't, hmm, let's see how, how do it's like, you can, you can make a movie that's deconstructing something and have it say nothing. Like, you know what I mean? And I kind of feel like that's yeah. like with Barbie, like you've got the idea of like, I feel like that's what, Mattel wants basically is a movie that's like going to be a big deconstruction thing of like this, you know, brand and this stuff and whatever. And it's going to talk in all directions about it. It's going to be like a hyper normalization or a, 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 a sort of nonlinear warfare sort of idea where it's like, you know, oh, yeah. liberals can watch this Barbie movie and think that it's, you know, espousing all these liberal ideals and conservatives can watch this Barbie movie and think that it's espousing conservative ideals. And that's like, clearly i think what mattel wanted and i think that that's kind of like it's like a weird psyop to like choose an auteur to do that for you because you want something that's like yeah that really could be interpreted as like saying either message but then it has like a sort of watery meek ending that just sort of tries to like shrug its arms and say, ah, being a human is messy and complicated. And it's like, I ultimately do like that, but it tries to kind of just like have its cake and eat it too. And be like, you know, the thing is like, I, I feel like that's just the thing that Greta was up against. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like, I'm going to do the big, like this is a genre now, like, and she's doing a genre thing. And that genre is this IP deconstruction bullshit like thing mm-hmm. and like what yeah, she's yeah, supposed yeah. to turn in is like splatter paint like you know what i mean it's supposed to be like this abstract thing that can be interpreted like a you know uh it's not supposed to say anything because it's supposed to say everything or something yeah um, yeah but it, but that's the thing it's like it actually is saying so much so blatantly it's like there's nothing like the movie actually isn't very subtle but like within its contradictions there seems to be something that's either intentional or unintentional. You know what I mean? That, like, oh, yeah, that makes it more complicated. Like that, I think that I think is kind of that's the thing. <laughs> I think that instead of like, yeah, I think that Greta like is if you're presented with that sort of a situation where it's like, okay, well, they want you to say nothing, but they want you to like, I. I feel like basically the power is in creating more contradictions than in creating something definitive. Like, you know what I mean? There's some power yeah, yeah, yeah. in her deconstruction <clears throat> just through like the way that it's done and the way that it creates like cognitive dissonance. I think like the way that things don't work out, I think is part of what makes the movie more interesting. Um, just because it wasn't, I don't know. It wasn't ever meant to, work out like the the the, the yeah, yeah mattel wasn't ever gonna let 
like the Barbie movie be like a really subversive thing that like like it wasn't going to be spring breakers like you know what i mean where like you're going to have yeah, kids yeah. go out to the theaters and you be like oh fuck that that really that was not what i expected now yeah, i'm very disturbed think, and upset <laughs> Whatever. well like, i actually think it depends on the way you look at it i mean many parents have actually been pretty upset with this movie because it's really not for kids you yeah. know it's like actually pretty like raunchy and crude and lurid and shit you know yeah yeah sure it's all sex jokes and stuff um and like the the final joke is like this gynecologist thing and like the like very first like subversion of the world is her being like do any of you think about death (laughs) right you know which is like a great moment i laughed i thought it was awesome but then but like thinking about this movie and like the way a lot of people reacted to it has made me realize like like, who is this movie for, you know? Like, is it, like, is it, like, what you're saying, this hyper-normalization thing where, like, it's supposed to be for everybody? Because it doesn't really seem like that's the way people are reacting to it. It actually feels like there's a, a weird, there's, like, actually a lot of people who have, like, it's almost like there's a lot of things that are triggering people about it. And there's right. a lot of different, like, problems you can have with it. Right. It be, because, But it's because it's so just not subtle and in your face and just like says all these very like obvious things you know no i I, um, I i agree but i think that i think that a lot of it is also saying these obvious things in like not obvious ways and stuff and saying things in ways that don't work like i don't know like i, I, I well, think that's that, what i mean I think it could be a big idea, troll i think the idea of barbie world being a utopia right like that's that's Kind of, I mean, if you're, if you're looking at this as some sort of like really basic, you know, uh, feminist viewer or something or whatever, it's like this Barbie world is a utopia. And like, it's the problem is that this patriarchy comes in and ruins this beautiful feminist utopia. But it's like Barbie world at the beginning is like all of these women being like going up to each other and being like, oh, you're the greatest president in the world. They're like, thank you. Yes, I know. I deserve it. And like all these, like, they're just being like, yes, no, I deserve <laughs> all of these things that have just been provided to me. And like, yes, I deserve this. Yes, I deserve that. Like, no, they, like everything and, and treating, you know, all the Kens like garbage and whatever. And it's like very much like the worst, like possible idea of what the patriarchy used to be, even more of a cartoon than what it probably ever actually even was. But like, it's, it's, it's yeah, the... Yeah. You know, no, but it's, it is the, it's the, the gender, it's the gender role reversal thing. Right. That and, it, doing, and it does that, you know. you know, throughout in all sorts of ways that I think are like really clever, like because it makes people identify with things that are wrong or like it makes people like not identify with things no, that they do. Yeah. Identify. Like, you know what I mean? It, it, I don't know. I guess that I think that's the thing is like, that's the, um, if I was going to give Greta and Noah like the most credit imaginable, it is that the movie is a bit of a troll and that it's presenting these like hyper exaggerated and most over the top uh, versions of these ideologies being played out to ultimately show that neither one of them is really like like it's all a fantasy, you know, and that like there's only really one way to live, which is like in this very nuanced and complicated, messy world. Um, but there also are just like weird things. Like I guess you know the whole like conclusion with Barbie and Ken, and the whole like I'm Knuff and 
this whole idea that like you know they don't really need each other i don't know the, the whole barbie ken relationship thing is like an odd part of the movie yeah 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 that like kind of falls on the like you don't need anybody but yourself vibe yeah like you can just be an independent person you yeah. don't need to start a family yeah. it also it's like espouses those stuff. like yeah, it also espouses all those, like, modern, like, I don't know if it's, like, they're really liberal values, but there seems to be, like, an increasing amount of left people or liberal people who, <clears throat> you know, are increasingly not having children, not starting families, you know, there's a lot more divorce going on, and I guess you can point to a lot of things, but... Right, but I think that the, I think that movie, the beginning of this movie completely points to Barbie, <laughs> Like, that's part of the thing, mm -hmm. right? Is like we have a real understanding of 2001 A Space Odyssey at the beginning of this movie where, like, the monolith is Barbie. And what it is is, like, there were, like, you know, there was a point where, like, little girls would, like, value being a mother and, like, growing up to, you know, raise children and things and whatever. And then Barbie showed them, like, no, no, you don't have to value that anymore. You can just value, like, being really hot and, like, having a lot of stuff and hanging out with your girls. And every night is girls' night. And, like, and it's like... Yeah, the, yeah. you the don't need a man. Yeah, Actually, and then, the and man becomes, is your accessory. It becomes a gender war thing. And then it's like, it's you versus <laughs> them or whatever, as opposed to the family, the connection, the, like, romance or whatever. Like, when I was talking to my friend I saw it with, like, he was talking about how... Um, um, he was like, I loved that Barbie did not, like, get with Ken at the end or whatever, because that always, like, made sense to me. Barbie and Ken, like, never felt, like, it always felt like Barbie wasn't into Ken or whatever. And, like, <laughs> I think that's, like, that's it's, funny just because, like, it kind of goes along with the whole vibe of the whole thing. Where it's, like, Barbie isn't really this romantic vision at all. Like, it's, it's just a neo-liberal capitalist vision of, like, what... Barbie is about is not about the relationship with Ken. It's not a romance. Like, you don't think of it the way that you think of, like, the Disney princesses and their romances or whatever. Like, Barbie is about Barbie and her house and her pool and her clothes and her stuff. And, like, that replacing, like, romance and family and values other than capitalist values, like, that's... I, I don't know. I think it's really... And, and then, like, it also creates the thing that's the opposite of it. That, like, the whole patriarchy thing of Ken discovering that and then bringing it back and, like, that taking over because they don't have the immunity to it. Like, it's not just because they don't have yeah, the immunity. Yeah, yeah. It's because, like, the thing necessitates the opposite thing. It's like that, you know, it creates the gender war by, like, creating this iconography of girl bossery. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, and yeah, so yeah. then you create the iconography of bros and every night's bros night and blah 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 and then those things the fight against each other and, and that's the yeah. thing that i thought was really interesting is like i kind of i kind of felt like the movie was very cynical in that way or i don't know if it was cynical maybe it's just realistic in that way but it like it seemed to be talking about like the gender warfare thing as just like a it, it didn't seem to come to a conclusion of like like no barbie is about like being together and romance and life and future like instead it's like no it, barbie's about like barbie going out and getting fucked now that's really the <laughs> like, yeah it's yeah, a yeah. real and i, I mean the the, the the end of the movie the last line is just like the greatest dude the greatest uh it's such a troll the gynecologist line what yeah the gynecologist line? yeah the gynecologist line uh of course 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just weird that the whole thing is sort of reduced to that. No, no, no. I mean, it's like, well, yeah. She has an actual, she has genitals now. She's a real girl, you know, like. Yeah. Because what, <laughs> I think I think that's I think that's a very interesting thing to put at the end of a movie in 2023, where it's like Barbie wants to be a woman. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. What does she need? She's at her she's at her gynecologist. Yeah, exactly. It's almost I, as if there's I, something I, yeah. there that would make her a woman or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, and I don't think like you know people aren't idiots. Like this is I don't think this is a movie that's landing well with like far left people, like non-binary people, trans people, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because yeah, it is like this total vision of like cishet <laughs> utopia, like capitalists utopia, um, and I don't know if the ending. Like, I don't know, is that, like, really what Barbie's rejecting, I guess, is the fantasy and is this hyper... No. Like, extremist No, Barbie doesn't learn anything. Like, Barbie's just girl bossing yeah. in the real world now. I guess, but we don't really see her do much in the real world. Yeah, like, except become really a sex a... object in the real world. Well, she's less sexy in the real world. She, like, ends up dressing much more modestly in the yeah. last scene I mean, and stuff like that. More real, you know? I guess. It's like more real or whatever um yeah i don't know i mean i do i I do think it's a little confused and then there is just the whole raya perlman section which is like the end of the movie and is the thing that's trying to make the final points and there's a whole like family montage thing like i think in the end it actually is going back to the original conceit that like it's a and even america ferrera says this i want ordinary barbie because i think it should be okay to just want to be a mom right and like then there's this whole thing about like i made barbie after my daughter and andrew after my daughter and it was all about like preserving your legacy and seeing this thing go on and whatever you know what i mean no it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah you're right you're right i think i think it, that it is almost all feels, in there I think it's more about this whole, like, you can reject the, like, girl boss, like, fantasy thing if you want, you know, like, it's okay to want to be a mother or to nurture, to have a family or whatever it is. Like, right. no, I, th- um, I think that's, I think that's I true. Think, I think that's true. But that's, that's the thing is, like, I think that the movie, like you're saying, is, like, somewhat, you know, tonally or... It's just confused. And so, like, it doesn't really feel like that's what the rest of the movie is completely... Like, parts of it feel like it's trolling, and other parts of it feel like it's an earnest, you know, attempt to talk. So, like, I, like there was... Um, Greta Gerwig is on Mark Marin like, many years ago, and I, I remember that part of the conversation that she was having um, was... I'm pretty sure it was her. But I'm pretty sure it was her. She was talking about, like, the role of women in movies and stuff and how, like, she doesn't see like real women in movies um anymore that you see like a lot of you know girls kicking ass and you know doing karate and whatnot but like that the idea of like motherhood has kind of been sort of taken away and that that used to be something really powerful and blah 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 um and so like i kind of know that that's a concept you know connects with it like it's it's you know her idea of being a woman is not necessarily just like you know, going to Wall Street and being a, you know, successful banker who, you know, works out and kicks ass and, you know, like it's not sure. And I also think that similarly, I think she is not 
impressed with the Barbie ideal of, like, womanhood that is just like, yeah, get your house in Malibu and all of your outfits and, you know, you don't need Ken. You can just hang out with the girls and blah, blah, Like, I think that's also reductive. Uh, and I think well, that she I think knows this, that. This com- yeah, yeah. I think this comes down to the, the, the question, though, of, like, does Greta Ger- – yeah, like, does Greta Gerwig actually care about Barbie? And right. is this kind of, like, a thing where Mattel – had like seized on the opportunity. I don't know like who option two. I'm sure there was a Barbie movie idea just kind of like floating around for probably a long, long time. Mm. Especially after like the Lego success of the Lego movie. I'm sure they were like, this is something that we, we need to do. Right. And then you have Greta Gerwig making these two incredible, highly acclaimed movies about being a woman. And it's like a match made in heaven in a lot of ways. But then there is this whole like thing of i don't know does greta gerwig actually like what barbie represents at all and is this entire thing like a troll and like a parent company sanctioned like yeah just satirization of the whole image of barbie in order to talk about how like this doesn't need to be the image of womanhood that you adopt right and like that's actually like kind of crazy because that's also like what Kubrick is doing in 2001 right as well like making fun of the parent companies and right like well, I mean that's fly, like it's just so much more subtle than Barbie but now you can just do that and they'll sanction it and it's all just so blatant and I don't know Mattel like even apparently said that they thought like, like this movie was surface level and the commentary was surface level and therefore it's like not really damaging to their brand and it ultimately doesn't harm them and kind of like heightens and revitalizes the Barbie brand in this day and age which hasn't been quite as popular since the 90s you know? Yeah I think that's probably true um, and that's that's one of the that's one of the most powerful uh, parts of the movie actually is uh at the very end where she's talking about normal Barbie and then he's like, that is the stupidest idea I've ever heard. And then the guy behind him's like, that's, that's going to make, make a lot money. of money. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. no, great idea. <laughs> and they just go with it. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, doesn't it's, still the capitalist in- it's still the capitalist incentive overall. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like even if it's like the right message, quote unquote, or like the, you know what I mean? It's still like financially motivated at the point. Oh, it's like, oh, actually, it's like that's literally the Mattel going like, Let's get Greta Gerwig to make like a complete like deconstruction and satirization of our brand. They're like, that's the stupidest idea ever. It's like actually it'll make a lot of money. Yeah. Exactly. You know, exactly. it's like And like even if it's against the things that this brand was to begin with or whatever, it's like actually going to make the brand a lot of money. And that's kind of what it is. Yeah, but exactly. I also which don't is kind of like the weird gross double edged sword of it, you yeah. know, like Yeah. Uh but that's, you know, better, but that's better Greta than anyone else. Like it was going to happen anyway. I don't know. It's just like, I mean, Greta, you know, she, well, I mean, I guess that leads us to our other movie. <laughs> Are we done? Are we done with Barbie already? <laughs> no, no, but it's, you know, but uh, I think that, I think there is something to, uh, one you thing know, I want, being the organizer one thing I want of to some say. sort of giant program that's going to happen anyway. And you know, it's happening and it's like, well, no, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, for sure. <laughs> and I'm going to be the one that has no, to, but, you know, pay for this. <laughs> I did want to say though, like some notes, things I like noticed 
It was like, I never knew that Barbie's name was actually Barbara Millicent Roberts. Okay. I didn't know that. <laughs> You're like, Millicent means industrious. Okay. Okay. Um, but yeah, the other thing I noticed was like, I noticed the Barbie logo. Um, it's an interesting choice which logo they use because it's actually the one from the 80s. So it's like the one that Greta Gerwig would have known from her childhood. Yeah. Well, that's that's the that's one of the biggest things I think with this movie is that like, Greg, this, like you were saying, like who is this movie for? Like I really think this yeah. movie is specifically for people of our age group. Like yeah, yeah, I think it's for us. It's not. It's not for kids. It's not for older like adult like my parents. It's not really for like even though it's something that all these people can yeah. you know enjoy and whatever and laugh along with the jokes and whatever like. The reason they chose Matchbox 20, like, <laughs> not because, like, that's a reference that, like, is in any way relevant to, like, anybody except for people who, like, were listening to the radio in 2004. Like, you know, it's for not, sure. yeah, I don't yeah. know, it's a very specific thing. And it's perfect. It's, like, it's totally perfect. But, like, yeah, my thing was, like, like Lady Bird, she, like, put in, you know, the post 9-11 time so that she could use all the things from her youth and whatever. This one's just, like... Nah, this is her fantasy world, and in her fantasy world of Barbie, they're just, like, still playing Matchbox 20, and it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, it, was, it, was a, it was a perfect reference, like, the, you know, all the lyrics and the whatever, mm-hmm. and the time period, and, the, the, and and his singing was, like, it was good. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It was yeah. good, bad. I like, was, really, I really like the just musical lyrical elements of barbie like i thought like the dance numbers were fun oh, yeah. and like i mean all the visual elements of it i really she said like, that she like I she said like, that she was actually inspired by demi 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 yeah okay i could see that like umbrellas of cherbourg and whatever oh demi okay okay i could see it no no no, no yeah, like, yeah yeah, yeah. Jacques demi. Demi. Yeah, yeah yeah totally uh I could totally see that. It's like very Demi and it's aesthetics, actually. I feel like Like, I've heard her talk about how much she loves those movies, too. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, She's a sure, yeah. But I I, I also, I felt she's informed um, by all that. I felt a lot of um, uh, One from the Heart, Coppola's like super surrealist uh, uh, musical Hollywood thing. I still haven't haven't seen that one. Um, Yeah, it's, it's, very everybody's got to do a musical though right yeah everybody's got to do one but thing. i mean but as far as like musicals are like i'm often just sure. like very annoyed when it comes to the musical numbers and stuff like yeah yeah to, in, like i don't know but in in barbie those were a lot of my favorite parts they just really all seem to be having like a lot of fun and stuff like i don't know ryan gosling was hilarious totally. it all yeah. was like very well like it was fun in a way that I just feel like when I was watching like La La Land and stuff, like a lot of the recent musicals, I just felt like it was all just mechanical and not fun, you know? Uh, For sure. This one felt like it was very, I don't know, just full of life and shit. It was a blast, all those musical numbers. Yeah, and they're absolutely. beautiful. Just. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I, I don't know. It's definitely a movie I'd like to see again and whatever and see how it sort of holds up yeah i mean um it, it would be very interesting a little me, bit it'd be very interesting to Go me ahead. to find like an underlying like logic or key or something that's like oh, okay here's the way that it all actually does work and it's not contradicting itself like you know what i mean sure like, i feel like i don't know 
maybe something changes when they go to the real world. I, like maybe there's something that like if you watch it again, it's not well, this as was confused something as it felt. I, this was something I noticed that like bugged me is like not actually having very consistent tonal control over the movie. Yeah. I actually like, I don't know. It's not like it has to do one thing or the other. And I'm not, I'm not even saying this was like totally the right thing to do. But when when they first go into the real world, it's like very starkly different. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like it actually does feel like they entered the real world. Like they're really on Venice Beach, and right. she's just being like har- harassed by men. Everyone, everyone's looking at them because like they look ridiculous, and she's so fucking hot, you right. know. And like you know, and they're getting all this attention. Um, it feels like a little more grimy and like it kind of feels like oh yeah these cartoon characters just like walked into the real world right. but then it doesn't really like commit to the real world having that tone for the whole rest of the movie right because like America Ferrer and her daughter are basically cartoon characters and like Mattel and everything about it and the whole board of directors and Will Ferrell are basically just a bunch of cartoon characters like yeah. There's nothing really think, about any of it that feels realistic. I think America Ferrer and her daughter were supposed to be the like very real element, but they just feel yeah, like grounded. really bad made-for-TV movie element. You know, Where it's like they just yeah, found like people the, who were like, "Oh, well, here, here are some actors who are like not charismatic, so they'll be," <laughs> or you know, yeah. There's sort of like a there's sort of a missed opportunity in the comedy that like. Basically, everybody's performance in the real world matches Barbie and Ken's. That, like, they exist in the same, like, tonal universe. Mm -hmm. And there's, like, a missed opportunity of having Barbie and Ken be these really over-the-top cartoony characters who are in a real world, kind of like in Last Action Hero or whatever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah, no, I totally feel that. Um, But I think that's Um, part of the point, though. Like, I think that that's also, again, like... Like the, the real world is just, it has been turned into a cartoon right. where everything is so heightened because right. of things like Barbie and Mattel and the corporations that, cre- that like create the hopes and dreams of people and whatever. Right. Like, right. That, I mean, that it's the so real weird world too, that is that's like, Barbie world just reversed and whatever. It's not that there is not that big of a difference in that Barbie world actually then therefore is the real world. Like that's kind of the, you know what I mean? It's not just a fantasy. So did you... This is all like really part and parcel though of Barbie and Mattel. Like I feel like the scene where she approaches the daughter, that's like the scene where she's like she's like like I like I freed women. They're going to give me a hug and then the daughter just like does this like whole diatribe about how, you know, you like are actually evil and you fascist. represent ca- gross fascist you're fascist she calls her yeah yeah and like says you She's represent like, gross capitalism but I don't control and- the trains and the flow of commerce <laughs> I love that Barbie knows fashion, like, you know, it's, yeah, I mean it's, it's, it doesn't make sense that she would it's just silly you know like no I, I think it's just yeah, like she doesn't have the cartoon idea that I don't know that this girl has well, I just like, think like, Barbie doesn't know Barbie didn't even know anything about the real world so I don't know why she would know anything about fascism but it doesn't matter like those things are whatever <laughs> It's just a funny joke. It's funny that Barbie would be like a little bit more like woke to fascism than this girl who's like really like misrepresenting Barbie as a fascist. You right, know, right, like Barbie right. is just like not Barbie is just more of an Eichmann or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I think in some ways she's right. Like I think in some ways the girl is right. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah, it's just that sure. she's yeah. doing a like, you know, I mean, that's 
that's the thing. I feel like this in a lot of cases, a, these people are right. They're just like, don't sound right. This is the thing of the obviousness of the movie, though, is that like the Barbie discourse is actually so old and you actually didn't need to like see this movie to be privy to any of this discourse about Barbie. And that's like kind of why it's surface level as far as Mattel is concerned, because like they're just addressing the shit that people have been saying for basically as long as Barbie's been around. Right. You right. know, like when Barbie was first released in 59, she was controversial. Like parents didn't like it. But what Mattel did was they, they were the first toy company to advertise to children directly through like, like the Disney channel or whatever, or yeah, like I mean, ABC. That's, that's they bought like a ton answer. of like, this is childhood's end stuff. Yeah. Man. They bought, they bought like tons of ad space on like the Mickey Mouse show. I don't forget what it fucking was, but like it was, they like bought a bunch of airtime on shows they knew kids would be watching and advertised Barbie directly to them yeah. and circumnavigated the parents. Well, Barbie's a that's super like the first stimulus, time dude. that happened. Barbie's a super stimulus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the 2001 thing. Yeah. You know, it's like really... Do you, you see know, those legs, dude? End. Mm. It's just like oh, the yeah. opening scene, like it's like, oh, wait, you're going to like putting like a, a child's brain seeing that for the first time. It's like, oh, no, I want that. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I under- it's, you know. It's a super stimulus. It blows their minds. And I, you know, and that definitely is more powerful than a doll, you know? But I think that that's also connected to uh, this idea of Barbie can be anything and an astronaut and a, you know, chef or a musician or whatever. Like, yeah. And the idea of Ken being dissatisfied because he's not any of those things. Like, Barbie and Ken are the same in this movie. They both, like, Ken is embracing the patriarchy or whatever the same way that Barbie's embracing feminism. They're both in this, like, totally absurd, self-interested, like, you know, Mm -hmm. cartoonish, I don't know, uh, yeah, but the point is they're making the same mistakes, like, you know what I mean? And it's not, it's not as if, um, there's a, there. It's like it's it's so much of this movie I think is like about like a gender essentialist almost thing of like men are this way and women are this way and whatever but there's also the thing of like yeah well both of them are just being corrupted in the same way by like this super stimulus of capitalism and the sexuality of Barbie and whatever like you know what I mean um mm-hmm. but they're they're both being turned into these self-interested people and they're both okay what I was getting to was that like Ken is like upset that he can't be all these other things that he's just Ken. Like, you know what I mean? And that's like similar with Barbie, I yeah. think, is that like Barbie is introducing this idea of like girl bossery to like girls across the world or whatever and stuff. And just like guys across the world, like, it, it, like boys across the world well, are I mean, always told fa- like you can be all they, these things the or whatever. The fact that they literally all share the same name is a big yeah. thing, you know, like. That's such a powerful metaphor of the, like, yeah, Barbie and Ken can be anyone. But, like, if we're all just Barbies and Kens, then that's all we are. And there's no actual, like, individuality. Right. Except for their jobs. Yeah. Which is, like, like, so you're you're completely defined by, yeah, your occupation. Exactly. And, like, your social status and whatever. And your outfit and your, like, house and all of these, like, capitalist, neoliberal, like, sign values. You know what I mean? As opposed to, like, who you are as a person. And, like, that's, I think part of the thing is, like, Ken being so upset that he isn't really anything. He's not good enough. He's not an astronaut. He's not anything. Like, 
Barbie isn't upset about that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Barbie just is like happy to be nothing, <laughs> you know, um, or like, so, she's, yeah. she's being applauded for being nothing, <laughs> like kind of. Um, just because she's attractive, like Ken, who's also attractive, is like upset. Like I don't, but but I think that the point is that like both of these are people who are being given these ideals to like work towards that are out of reach um, in a way that the girls who were playing with the dolls back in the day, like the things that they were valuing, were in reach. Like you know what I mean. Like if you grow up playing with like baby dolls and you want to have a husband and have children, that sort of thing, like you accomplish those goals and then you're satisfied by that. Like, you know what I mean? But if you grow up playing with an astronaut and you want to grow up to be an astronaut or a, or a basketball player or a movie star or whatever, and it's like, that's not going to happen. Then you have to go through a whole crisis of like, well, is it okay that all I am is just Ken or Barbie or whatever? Like... No, yeah, I'm never going to yeah, be happy with that because I was person. brought up to value all I'm, of these other signs Barbie. of success that are like fitting into this or that job or having this or that house or something like that. Well, that's, that's, I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, Barbie is going through the same kind of crisis that most men have gone through because like, you know, even if, even if men might like ultimately hold the grand majority of positions as astronauts and all of these things that Barbie, all these occupations that Barbie idealizes. I mean, that's not know, true like anymore. Most, like when it comes to well, like doctors I mean, and like, but probably was more no, true sure, in the eighties like, when Barbie was, you know, being popularized. Well, this is, but it's just another, it's like, a, like capitalism is basically disenfranchising most of the men too, because the men are, like the men were being sold this idea that they could be anything, that they would be rulers and leaders and all this stuff, but like most of them don't amount to shit, right? You know, so they're just Ken, you know, and right, um, or they're just Barbie at that point, and like Ken is the new male, you know, Ken, Ken's like the fucking incel or whatever. It's like weird. There's like that whole weird thing about how they actually don't know what sex is anyway so that's like a weird part of barbie world right right like there's sort of just like a block there where it's like can i sleep over tonight she's like what well, to do what and he's like i have no idea or <laughs> whatever yeah like and there's like a thing where like yeah they don't have genitals so there actually like is no sex but they're all like weirdly somehow preoccupied with it yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it's, all about, totally it's all about it's all about like ken's desire that is unfulfilled like yeah, that is yeah. part of the like value when, that like, Barbie has. Like, and so, what do you feel about the like the the uh, the covert op that the Barbies pull on the Kens, where they pretend to like laugh at their jokes and all that stuff, so they can take the power back? Yeah. Do you think that's like another role reversal where like men will do that to women, or is this where it starts to get muddy? And weird <laughs> well, I mean, that's, and that's like, the thing, man. I think that I think that there are all sorts of you know things here that can be read all sorts of ways, right? Like, I mean, I think it's hilarious when you have Barbie, you know, talking about Barbie world being like, you know, upset that she's like, we women built this whole fucking world and we put this whole thing together. And like, now these Kens are like destroying this just because they got on this whole patriarchy thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, it sounds, <laughs> it sounds like, you know, uh, Don Draper in the sixties just being like, what, the, what is this yeah. feminist bullshit? We built all of this and now they're going to come in here. Cause, yeah, what? Yeah, cause, they, yeah. cause they went to one college and found four books that they stole <laughs> from a library. Like, 
They didn't. They haven't. Like, they just, we've been working on this for thousands. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's they put those in Barbie's mouth, and I think that's hilarious. And similarly, like, yeah, I think you know, you like it's you can read that situation in both ways. I don't think that's a situation that necessarily is Greta Gerwig being like this should be like I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't think. But I think that. Yeah, I think that there are situations in which, uh, you know, men could be the seen as the uh, women of that that situation where they're putting up with and going along with the things that, you know, mm-hmm. women are demanding they go along with in order to just kind of like get past it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, because like there's a, it, there's a male equivalent like the cu- to bringing the guys a bunch of beers and hanging out on the beach and like, you know. I think mm-hmm. that the male equivalent of that, if you gender reverse that, like, yeah, I think that, you know, there are, there's a lot more of that in society today than uh, there maybe used to be, you know? Yeah, maybe than there used to be. But who knows any of that? I mean, I guess it depends on what set of st- statistics you look at and how you frame them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But anyway, speaking of how you frame things, like statistics and... And yeah, let's segue, let's segue into Oppenheimer. There's been there are a lot of weird ties between these two movies, actually, which I didn't like really fully understand when you initially said it. But yeah, yeah, well, I think I, I think know, I there think is. there is. I mean, basically, both of these movies have this cipher main character, right? Like where yeah, yeah, yeah. We which, don't. Which was the thing I didn't mention about Barbie. I wanted to say real quick, but. Is part and parcel to the whole thing, but it's but Barbie is such a formalist experience that it's like really removed. It doesn't ever feel like you're really watching anything that's like real, like um, or like I don't know. You're not really watching something that has like characters you truly get invested in right. or any kind of like story you get truly invested in because actually you're just watching a bunch of very you're watching symbols actually. Yeah. You're kind of just watching like a bunch of symbols. I mean, you're, you're kind play of out. watching Greta Gerwig play with her dolls. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, it yeah. kind of is kind appropriate of exactly. aesthetically. Yeah, no, it is. For but sure. I, but I agree. There but is anyway, a, there yeah, is a so. distance that's almost Kubrickian. It is like you never really get. And it's it's weird to me that I've I've heard people say like that Barbie was so moving in the end. They were surprised that they actually cried or something. Like that to me is very yeah, like that's, I don't. That's, that's weird. What during the yeah during the old like uh, what's her name scene the, the Rhea Perlman the Rhea Perlman scene because that, that scene sucked, dude. Like that was yeah, it. Just Ruth felt like Handler. a made-for-TV movie thing. That felt like, dude, this was the studio was like, no, we need to like put a hero woman in charge of Barbie that like is unambiguously like saying, no, Barbie was something that you all can get on the side of. <laughs> like, and it just it doesn't fit with the rest of the movie at all. When she goes into the office well, that she's there, like in in the building, it's like this is the most mm-hmm. surreal, bizarre. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, I don't. No, I know. That's why the real world is like, yeah. And like yeah, Will Ferrell says she has a ghost on the, you know, her ghost has an office on the 70th floor or something. Yeah, which is... Like, but that, that, I mean, that is, the thing is like, it is, I think, interesting to acknowledge Ruth Handler because she was real. Like, you know, she co-founded Mattel with her husband and this other guy who like sold his shares of the company almost like a year after they founded it. So like Oof. Ruth like really like did start Mattel like was the visionary for Barbie 
And, like, she really did believe in it as this, like, message of, you know, independent womanhood and stuff like that. Right, right. Um, like, she really did think it was, like, a good thing. Uh, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. she believed that her creation would, like, be a positive thing for women because, like, she wanted to empower them. And, right, Like, right. give them the means to imagine their lives as being something as more than... As- yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, maybe she was misguided and whatever. Maybe, maybe but like, not. You know, I'm not. I'm I feel like it was. It. But like, I feel. But I feel like the movie does, like I said earlier, kind of have Ruth Handler. Um, it sort of makes her side with this idea that it was like family was incredibly important to her, and that like she did this in a lot of ways for her daughter, right. and that like it's okay to be a mom vibe, you right. know? Like, right. and there's a whole like. And there's the whole, like, montage of, like, found footage that's just, like, families, like, clearly. Just, like, moms and kids and dads and shit like that. Yeah, yeah, And it's, like, um, I don't know. But... I I thought, like, like, I'm kind of a sucker for that type of montage. And I also just liked the overlays and shit. Like, I thought that was real... (laughs) I don't know. I thought it was good. It was a bummer Mm -hmm. that it came after that terrible scene with Ruth, but... Like, oh, no, this is nice. This is a nice yeah. way to go out. And then it's like, oh, no, that wasn't the end of the movie. We're going to have this final thing. Why do we have a final thing? And it's like, oh, it's because that was the only reason we made the movie in the first place was in order to have this vagina joke that was perfect and hilarious and timely <laughs> and such a troll. And, like, yeah. And almost like, yeah. like, it really is. It really is like baiting. It feels like, like it feels like something that, like, how. How did Mattel allow that? Because there's no benefit. Get away with a lot there's now. no benefit to yeah. Mattel for allowing that line to be that scene to be in the movie. <laughs> like you know what I mean? It's like this makes this movie a lot more uncomfortable for people to watch with their kids. Because it's also like this is a moment that's like it's not like then they it passes by and then they get to another scene. It's like no, this is the, the final moment of the movie. So yeah, yeah, yeah. every kid is I just mean, going to be was, like, so what's like... a gynecologist? <laughs> Exactly, man. Yeah, it's not like a it's not like a double it's not like a layered joke that has like a surface level thing they can laugh at no, no, and then no. like a subtle thing. Like, wait, pass. I didn't get it. That's what like most it? of that's most of the jokes in the movie. Just like the beat the beach off thing. Like, is that really just goofy enough on its surface level? Or would the kid at some point just be like, Why do they keep saying it like that? <laughs> you know, like what is the like you know what I mean? It's yeah. like why do they just keep saying beach off over and over again? Like yeah. I don't get yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Or like, you I know, know, I think that like one, I think just that saying, one like, I want to see, enough, you know, it's right on the edge, but it, it's like, that's I an old that school, may- like 2003, it's like a Shrek thing or something. Like, I don't know. It's, it's maybe, I think it's still a little bit more, a little more like yeah. crude than a Shrek. More, a little more. But I think a lot of it's, it's a little pretty, more because it's, 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 it's a, it's a, a movie that's crude. entirely it feels about like sex. It, like, but yeah, you know, yeah, having, like having watched, you know, The Little Mermaid again recently, like, that is a movie that is just as entirely about sex the whole time. Like, and also is a movie that, that the ending yeah. is that she finally gets a vagina. <laughs> you know, it's the whole movie is about yeah, her getting a vagina. It's actually true. Um, yeah, they're almost true. They're very similar movies, actually. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they actually are very similar movies. Uh, yeah. There's the two worlds and like the leaving one and like, yeah, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. There's the thing with the there's like the like thing with the feet and like the yeah, yeah. The preoccupation of her transformation, how her feet are changing, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's weird. That is very weird. Yeah, feet and vaginas. <laughs> but yeah, like Ruth Handler, there was another 
a creative genius who changed the world with their invention, Robert J. Oppenheimer. Ah, yes. Yes. All right, well, real quick. Can we uh, take a quick break? I need to, like, hit a bathroom, just leave everything running and do the thing and then come back. Yeah. Is that all right? We should probably we should probably leave it running. All right. Yeah, yeah just leave everything ahead. running. I, I just I just gotta. Yeah. Uh, Hit the back. All right, I'm back in. I'm back in. Sitting back. You back in? All right, Edward. Back in the chair. Back in the chair. Okay, so yes, the other the other. I think I start. Yeah, so I started when we when we talked about Barbie. I I began by telling you how I felt about it. So why don't you? Begin with, uh, tell me how you felt about Oppenheimer. What are your first impressions? Uh, well, I mean, I guess, first of all, seeing it in, in the theater, I saw it in. I saw it in uh, uh, the Dolby Cinema because, you know, I had done Tenet at, at a IMAX theater last time and it was unhearable. It was just, like, unwatchable. It was, it was terrible. So I saw it at the Dolby and it sounded much better. So this time I saw Oppenheimer at the Dolby and it sounded great. Um... It was a smaller screen or whatever than IMAX, but, uh, you know, in digital projection, but it looked fine. Um, one of the things that kind of stood out to me was, like, how, you know, for a movie that sold out IMAX for the next, like, months, uh, how little of a spectacle it kind of is. And, I mean, like, it is a spectacle in a lot of ways. Like, I, I you know, I'm not saying it's not, uh, but it's, like... Just as far as mass audiences, I feel like a lot of people are going to theaters oh, yeah. for mean, an experience of, you know, a lot of I mean, big, explosive, action-packed something or other that's also going to be intellectual. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. yeah, for sure. And, I, like, I don't know. It's, like, far less of a spectacle than, like, there will be blood or something. Like, you know what I mean? It's a lot mm-hmm. of scenes of people just, like, sitting in... There's very few set pieces. There's no set pieces, right? Like, at all. Like Just the bomb. Just the bomb going off. But even that is like, it's still, like the whole thing is cut up in this editing it's way. It's done in a that, pretty removed way. Yeah. So I feel like I don't, I'm kind of surprised that everybody's loving it so much. Because <laughs> like, I like oh, yeah, how dude. intelligent this is and how much it's doing. Uh, but why are mass audiences getting out to this in huge numbers? Like, it seems like. I know, man. It's, it's you know, it's the... a similar movie to. Uh, uh, you know, uh, like, like like one of the Spielberg, uh, um, I don't know. What was his? Uh... Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's 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 a historical like drama thing that like doesn't. Lincoln, it, you're trying to like which one? Lincoln? Yeah, sure. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like a Lincoln. Like, you know what I mean? And that's like the idea of like mass audiences going out to like watch Lincoln is like, you know, well, yeah, I think Lincoln's a great, interesting, nuanced, you know, conversation. Uh, <laughs> but like, yeah. it's, it's not uh, going to deliver it, like the scenes of the Civil War that, you know, you're expecting. There's going to be one shot of the Civil War at the very beginning, and then it's going to be a lot of old guys in rooms. And, like, that's what Oppenheimer yeah, really sure. consists of. It's, like, a lot of old guys in rooms just, like, talking about mm-hmm. math. <laughs> like, some know. old guys, some young guys, and throughout the period of a few decades, so. 
Yeah, some young guys. Some young guys, definitely. No, but yeah, but like, and the rooms are boring. I mean, the, the room that his hearing is taking place in is like the most boring, drab looking closet. Totally. With like, with like, cab, like gross ass cabinets behind him that have like, like tape marks on them right. or something. You know, it's like, it's really like unflattering in a lot of ways. Yeah. And that's and so much like the it point. Has like, like yeah, that it happens in the least very, cinematic um, possible environment and all that stuff. But like, that's what mm-hmm. kind of makes it so. Like, I don't know if I was. Well, it also has the New Mexico shots, which are pretty beautiful. I mean, the Los Alamos stuff, and I mean, you know, yeah, riding on, riding on horses. And, yeah, yeah, but, I, I feel, I feel you. But and that stuff is all done, in, like a lot of shots are done in IMAX, and when this, when the the screen like gets bigger and it gets expansive for some of those wides and some of those moments, if like. It's like it's it's still very cinematic and beautiful, but it's so understated. Oh, so you saw it in IMAX? You know? Uh, yeah. I mean, it was digital IMAX. Okay. Okay. But you know, I got I got like the aspect ratio. Okay, because I didn't. You know, and like got the uh, and the sound was really good too. Yeah. It was a very loud system, and it was all clean. You could hear everything the actors were saying. And yeah, yeah. It, it got like it got like very visceral. At a lot of points, yeah, um, a very, very, very sonically driven movie, which I think has been a thing Nolan has been doing for a while. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. leaning more and more into the idea that like the sound in his movies is really what drives a lot of the like emotional tension because the narrative and characters don't actually give you a lot to work with as far as like that's concerned because they're all portrayed in a very like removed way totally you know we don't really ever know what oppenheimer is thinking and feeling and like what he actually thinks and feels about anything that he's doing is kind of what's on trial here you know right without like a really firm conclusion on that right right i mean I, I don't even yeah it's it's not even what he actually thinks and feels that's on trial like I feel like that is something that like Nolan almost acknowledges is out of reach like at least by the end like mm-hmm. where it's more just like the trial is just for posterity like or something like you know what I mean it's like well we're writing what actually happened this is the narrative like yeah yeah well it's and, not a trial it's a hearing yeah it's, yeah it's yeah hearing, but it's but it's like to the, write the narrative the movie feel the, the movie feels more like a you know, presentation of all the things and all the facts and whatever in a very objective way, like it is a procedural and it's like only for you to judge in the end, like who really is the bad person or if morality is even in question here, like is Strauss the bad person for coming at Oppenheimer or is like Strauss the true like patriot American who really wants to like protect people or like is because Oppenheimer is the person who made the bomb and yeah i don't know it's like and the the hearing like doesn't really ever reveal specifically you know like basically oppenheimer saying that like i developed a conscience over this issue at this time doesn't really feel so convincing to me like it doesn't really bode well to be a theoretical physicist who can't like imagine the possibility of your bomb being used in this way and then for like it to continue to be developed from that point forward. Like, how would that not be 
like one of your many infinite possibilities you've considered. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're even talking about making the H bomb before they're even like beginning the A bomb anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's like he's a liar. You know, it's like the whole Chris Nolan false narrative thing. Yeah, but I mean, I think again. I think like even that part of it, we all kind of I don't know. Like acknowledge I he think, had to have like I, think, I don't know, that, but the, the point is like that he doesn't have any control over that anyway. Like he mm-hmm. like what's on trial is kind of like is he a great man or not? Like it's not even like you know what I mean. I, I think I think what's really interesting about this is that like it, it's it bears a lot of similarity to like the Eichmann trial. I think that that's, you know, a lot yeah, of what yeah, the, yeah, exactly. you know, movie's doing it's, is we're kind of looking, looking at this guy yeah. after the fact being put in this mundane little room and then having people write a narrative about what happened and him trying to defend the narrative of that he basically was just doing his job and, you know, was a banal, like, whatever, and, like, you know, developed a content at this well, time or well, that. Uh, there is a difference between this and the Eichmann trial, though, that, which is that the Eichmann trial was like actually a public trial right. that was essentially a show trial but, about like allowing the Jews, Jewish leadership, to like put this guy in his place as revenge, essentially. But that's that's the similarity, and, is what I'm saying. Like I think that no, basically, no, 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 like, like the, the, it, the, it has the to fact do with that it was happening behind closed doors. I think is the difference. Yeah, but, the, but that it's a specifically they, about they're talking like, about his, what's what's going to be on the record so much in this movie. And like, yeah, it's happening behind closed yeah, yeah, doors, yeah. but it's like everybody knows that this is for posterity because that's the only reason that this trial is happening. Like sure. it's about a security yeah, clearance yeah. or whatever, yeah. but it's like <laughs> we're looking at him and saying like, has he always been this? Has he always been that? We're writing the narrative of his life in that room, and that's what ends up in like the book that this is based on, and in the whatever. Like that's that's this is this is history being written, um, and no, it's not sure. written yeah, at yeah. the time. Like it's written later in this room, and it's competing narratives. And I think that basically trying to come up with the narrative after the fact like has a lot to do with the Eichmann trial like I think it's a, a very interesting sort of similarity um, and that like the way that he sort of I don't know like I think I think that comparing Oppenheimer to Eichmann just like as characters is very interesting and damning uh, to, to, to Oppenheimer um, as well because sure. like you yeah. know I mean both it's of them the are responsible of for these you know horrible things and whatever uh, both of them are basically just like people who organized other people like i don't know well i I think like a big part of the thing in in oppenheimer is that like we don't really see much focus on like his brilliance or anything like he's Mm -hmm. that's true he's very similar to like steve jobs and or not steve uh to um fucking what's his name in the like uh social network movie um Uh, well a lot of people have been comparing this to the social network yeah. Weird. I mean, yeah, he's a lot like uh, the Zuck. Yeah, he's a lot like the Zuck, dude, where it's like yeah. he just finds I the mean, people. I mean, pretty much like, there's like the scene where. Pretty much every like, uh, like he didn't split the atom, you know, it's like, oh, this just in. They figured out how to split the atom. He's right. like, okay, we can use that. And yeah. then it's like, he's not the guy who like comes up with the idea for the hydrogen bomb. Right. Um, yeah, it's like he is a director. Right. He's bringing together these talents. But I think it's and I think it's like in yeah. in this case I think it's more than that though I think that like in since since this is a Nolan movie you know what I mean I'm like I'm thinking of this in Nolan's terms and stuff and I think that yeah, really sure. what we're talking about is like network systems right where like he's basically connecting all of these you know 
scientists into a network and like an isolated network so that mm -hmm. like he has control over the central system you know i'm gonna i'm gonna move rooms because sure, some, yeah. there's people mowing lawns outside maybe it'll be quieter for one sec Um, yeah, but I, I think I think that a lot of it has to do with the idea of him essentially like taking data and just combining data that's other people's work. And basically what we're talking about here is like AI, like just somebody who's not coming up with the base data. Um, mm -hmm. But they're actually. Yeah, he's very he's like a machine. Um, and And similarly to the AI, like. I think that what we see throughout the movie is that he doesn't actually have his own motivations or like values. Like, you know what I mean? Like he, he, so what I think is really interesting is that like in Tenet, this is a movie that was talking about the idea that like ignorance is our ammunition sort of thing. You know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. Where like you keep people in these, you know, I don't know. You keep people ignorant of the larger picture so that you can control them. Um, whereas Oppenheimer is a movie that's completely talking about a guy who has, like, it's about, can you hear the music? Like, it's about, can you, like, can you, can you see the whole picture? Cause like each of these individual mm -hmm. guys, they can't really see the whole picture the way that Oppenheimer can. That's, that's his, like, and I think that, like, well, I was saying, like, not, not much of the movie is based on his brilliance or whatever. I do think that there is that idea that like, no, it is, that he does have a certain idea of brilliance that is like a director or something that ties all these things together and like does create. Well, he this, has vision because he has vision and because he, he can a, hear the he music because he, he can he yeah. has holistic understanding of the whole thing. Like you know what I mean? He can take that mm -hmm. step back yeah, and yeah, see yeah. all of the interworking parts in a way that like not mm -hmm. all people can, and that's like his thing. Um, For sure, yeah, but. I also think that that's, that's something that's true of, well, I don't know. I, so uh, this, this is where, like, I, I don't know that I've got this movie entirely figured out, man. Like, I, I, I think that there's some of my ideas about it I think are just sort of, I, I will need to watch it again and sort of really think about it. I, I, part of it is that, like, I think that a lot of the editing of this movie is more complicated than it seems. Um, and that, like the way that these things are interspersed and the way that his motivations are at certain times probably aren't mm -hmm. the way that they appear. Like there's, there's, I feel like there's something else hiding underneath that, that may, as far as the statement that the movie's making may like make, make, make that clearer for me or something. Um, I kind of feel mm -hmm. like I know what he's discussing um, pretty well, but I don't know that I understand the statement or how it works out in each individual scene. But I do know with Nolan, like it tends to work out in every single scene in a different way than Barbie. Like Barbie was a thing where it's like, I feel like this is messy in the end. Uh, Opp Oppenheimer is a thing where I just feel like, no, this isn't messy in the end. I just haven't quite caught on to all of the nuances. There's mm -hmm. something else hidden there. And 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 it's a movie that when you get to the end you realize that the beginning is something that's, you know, I don't know. Well, the the false narrative thing is is like always a big part of Nolan's movies. Right. And I think that at the end um, of Oppenheimer when you kind of realize that Straws, you know, has a lot of really good points. Uh that's yeah. kind of a thing where you're like, oh, wait, no, I need to watch this again and, like, be more skeptical because mm -hmm. I don't. I, I was taking a lot of this at face value. And now that I know that I shouldn't, uh, 
there might be a whole different story underneath this. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's a hard one to unpack. And it's funny because, you know, it has been a little divisive. I mean, there obviously it's, um, you know, been met with a lot of positivity and acclaim from audiences. Like, people really do like it, which is weird and interesting. Um, it's like a very, very, like, adult movie to be captivating audiences and bringing them to the cinema in the year 2023. Um, totally. I guess like the Barbenheimer double feature thing really helped push both movies, but this was the biggest opening weekend for movies since 2019, like when Avengers Endgame came out. Right. Okay. So okay. it's like an it's like an it's like an actual like return to pre-pandemic movie levels. Right. Right. Um, there's a lot of hope there with that. The fact that they're both like original scripts. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, based you know, on pre-existing often, IP. Like, I mean, Oppenheimer is based on a book. Uh, yeah, they're they're based, based on, on they're based on existing IPs, but they're not like it's been. I don't know. Like they said, like this is the biggest opening weekend since 2019. But like, when's the last time? You know, when's the last time there was actually an opening weekend like this, where there was like a couple original scripts that actually got people out to the theaters? Nah, right, you know? right, right. Um, it's bizarre. But, like, you know, it's cool. And if it wasn't for the, you know, writers, actors strike going on, there'd be, like, a lot of hope for the industry in that sense. But, yeah. Well. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It's on the um, on the thing about Nolan, though, and Nolan stuff. Like, you know, he's always, maybe not always, but this one he's certainly doing the meta-narrative about being a director. And, like just like in Inception and uh, possibly some of those elements are intended as well. But there is something interesting about like Nolan personally connecting to Oppenheimer. Yeah, I think so. I think think that's part of what makes it a more interesting gray area, right? Is that like if this movie was just like, you know, an attack on Oppenheimer, that would be you know, basic and expected and whatever. Whereas I think that part of the thing is this idea of holistic understanding and like seeing the full picture and, and, and there being some value to that. But similarly, like that being its own sort of, I don't know, like, uh, like if it's, so I think part of it is that like Oppenheimer has a holistic understanding of things in like a very real way and like therefore like what he has to do is always clear and out of his hands like you know what I mean mm-hmm. it's like <clears throat> yeah like, like because he understands the way things are he really doesn't have free will like you know what I mean similar to like the people mm-hmm. in Tenet where it's like because they don't understand the way things are they don't have free will like Oppenheimer, it's because he understands things and can see that the way, the way things actually are that like he also doesn't have free will. Like it's 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 Well, I don't know. I think he's I think he's very comparable to the protagonist in Tenet in the sense that like the protagonist both knows and doesn't know. It's just the paradox of the whole thing. Right. Like because the protagonist knows everything, he has no free will. You know, because he controls his past self. 
Right, right. I mean, the, the protagonist that we don't um, meet yet. Yeah, yeah. But that's. But I'm. I'm saying like it's almost a sequel to Tenet, right? Like it's almost like we're seeing the future part where the protagonist actually does know. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't yeah. know. I mean, because I guess, he knows, and because he knows where it's all going, he's setting the you know the puzzle pieces and putting all the chips where they need to be and whatever. Right. You know, he's orchestrating the narrative, right. which is what. The protagonist does in Tenet. He orchestrates the narrative. That's what, that's what the main character of Memento is doing. He's orchestrating his narrative. Right. That's what Batman is doing. He's orchestrating his narrative. Like, it's the prestige. More orchestrating the narrative. Completely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the prestige is and one that I thought like, had, a, had a pretty big connection with Oppenheimer in that just, like, I... It has that, you know, the idea of um, the transporter in Star Trek, you know, the whole idea mm-hmm. that there's yeah, like yeah, the you yeah. that is killed and like the you that survives. And we're just like ignoring the fact that there is a you that gets destroyed. Um, mm-hmm. I I yeah, feel yeah. that with the atomic bomb thing. It's, it's, it's an idea that I've thought of before, <laughs> like, or maybe I heard it from somewhere else or something. Um, but well, just, it's a very trippy quantum physics idea of like... Yeah, which one is really is you, the existential crisis of identity in that case. But just like the quantum yeah. physics idea, of like if you connect that to like um, nuclear weapons, right? Like if, if like let's say there's a doomsday device that could destroy the entire world with the click of a button, right? Like mm-hmm. let's say you live in a world, like we live in a world of alternate realities, right? And like every decision that's made creates a new branch of reality and blah, 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 right? Yeah. Like if, if that's the way that things are, which is like kind of I, like my understanding is that that has something to do with quantum physics, <laughs> but, but if yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. way that the, that this is the world of possibilities and whatever, um, and that each possibility creates new alternate versions, then like any reality in which that button was pushed and destroyed the world, like we wouldn't exist. And so like. The only reality the that can exist that exists, is the one yeah. where that button isn't pushed. So, like that button, therefore, can't be pushed. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's almost like a re- it's almost like a reverse simulation theory. It's like it's like if it's that like button were to be pushed, it did, it would end the universe, and it could be pushed every moment. But like that'll just every moment that you push it, that'll just end that universe. But then the other universe where it wasn't pushed will exist. So you actually can't push it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I find, and similarly, like if you're thinking I find about like. That, uh, what the ending line the ending line of Oppenheimer is like fantastic and terrifying on like many levels yeah just the that and like the whole thing of that being set up the way it was like he said this thing to Einstein and Strauss thinks it's about him but it actually isn't it's like he got it all up in his head and whatever but it's just this thing of like I think we blew the world up right right. it actually happened yeah well I think I think that's it's like I mean I think it that works on so when many I was watching levels, it in the like, movie like I didn't feel like it was talking about it in that quantum level necessarily I felt like it was talking about it in the like look we created this thing and gave power to this new structure and this new structure is the same a- as a destructive force as destroying the world like you know what I mean we're destroying the world through yeah, the yeah. ways that we've changed society as opposed to destroying the world through the bomb but similarly, I think it's just mm-hmm. as possible that it's like, no, we literally did destroy the world through the bomb. But like, we just exist in the other 
dimension where we didn't. You know what I mean? And then in that way, like mm-hmm. that final scene could be like a, uh, you know, it could be a flash forward. Like when we see the all the bombs blowing up on the on Earth or whatever, that could be a flash forward, yeah, like yeah, the yeah. end of you know uh, Doctor Strange Love, where it's yeah. like we'll meet again and blah mm-hmm. blah blah. Or it could be a like alternate reality. Like no, this is what happened when Hiroshima. Like <laughs> you know what I mean? All these yeah, chain yeah, reactions. Exactly. Although it, it is that that shot is specific different nuclear bombs. That's not one bomb taking over. Well, but there was but also right, there also right. is a shot of like a giant firestorm crossing the entire planet. Is there? Okay, okay. So it, yeah. See, this is what I'm it's saying. Like, I, I need to rewatch like, this again and take into the account things. the nuances between like which one was the firestorm versus the separate explosions and which is because what is it well, saying? Like, that, well, yeah. it's also like yeah, when they when they blew up when they did the Trinity test in the desert in White Sands, like the idea that that's like when it happened, the first one that blew up right. and that that actually blew up the whole world like right. they said it would right. and that the possibility was near zero right and that yeah. like 99 you know universes were created in which that didn't happen but one was created in which it did and everybody died mm-hmm. but that universe then, doesn't like, matter because a bunch we of other universes died there we're where, not there anymore and there's a bunch of universes where it didn't ignite the atmosphere but then there was like immediate um like destruction from the arms race in other countries sure sure yeah there's of course there's all sorts and and that's that's the thing like the the idea of multiple realities if there is a doomsday button then like yeah that that button could have been pushed a million times by now and the world Mm -hmm, could have ended a million times Mm -hmm. but like the only world that we can exist in is the one where that wasn't pushed so like don't worry because it's we will because like, as long real. as we exist it won't be pushed like there's no <laughs> we're invincible it can't possibly happen because if it does happen then we'll just exist in the other reality because <laughs> you know <laughs> it's too psychedelic yeah it's weird but that's the that's the paradox of string theory which it's a paradox like, of something I, yeah i don't know yeah. like it's an it's a paradox of something that well, I don't he, understand. Well, I mean, enough. right? Like, I don't fully understand it, but the simple explanation they gave in the movie of how how can something be there and not be there right, at the right, same right. time? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense, but that's actually how it is. Right. Right. You know? Exactly. Um, it's exactly. just that whole, like... A, and there's a lot of that, like, there's that paradoxical nature of just, like, everything and, like, like Oppenheimer himself and just as a very paradoxical... Um, figure, which is why it's so hard to pin him down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's somebody who's very smart like a, and aware of the whole picture. I think, and what the whole picture is, is not limited to nuclear physics. Like, yeah, he can see the whole picture of all of these different scientists and and then whatever. But I think that he sees the whole picture beyond that, and that's I think part of why you know uh, he's tied to. Picasso and modernism and and, he, and he's tying things to um, I don't know like that. I, I, I think that basically he's seeing that this is not an isolated thing that he's developed like this is a part of a larger whole and that this is like mm. it's the technological aspect of a movement like I don't know so there's a, there's a book called uh, Modernism and Fascism um, that discusses kind of the Nazi connection to modernism as an artistic movement and stuff, and how the Nazis sort of used that in their ideology, in their ideology and stuff. Um, and I think that there's there's something, you know, um, 
there's something that Nolan's connecting to that as well. I think that there's there's a lot about the development of this bomb that's connected to a lot of fascist, Nazi sort of government control, secret program things and, you know, killing people that don't need to be killed and, you know, all sorts of problematic government behavior um, in order yeah. to I mean, achieve a... a modernist goal. And in this case, that mm-hmm. goal yeah, yeah, yeah. is the killing of millions of people. <laughs> like So there's there's like a lot kind of of that tied in there. And I think that it's interesting that Nolan is like, this is not just this bomb. This is like, we're bringing about it like a modernist paradigm, um, or even a postmodern paradigm really, uh, where, where like, I think that that's really like once the bomb is created, that is now we're living in the postmodern world. Um, and he's bringing that about and he realizes that that's not, and, and I think that's part of what Nolan's doing in the movie. That's why there's like, this is one of the only movies of Nolan's that has any sexuality in it. <laughs> Even though he's clearly uncomfortable yeah. <laughs> doing sexuality, it is. Sure. <laughs> but I, th- I think that part of it is that he's he's trying to be talking about like the structural social dynamics, um, the political dynamics, the aesthetic dynamics, and and just the downfall of all of these things that we used to sort of believe in. Um, which I think mm-hmm. really yeah, connects sure. him to Barbie. <laughs> I think that that's kind of like he's really creating a monolith here. Like that's that's the thing. He's creating mm-hmm. a giant symbol for this new movement. Uh, and this new paradigm. Paradigm. Yeah, exactly. And that and it's a paradigm that we still live in, and we will live in forever because. It's a paradigm that, like, like Tenet, like, it requires a pincer movement. I think that's part of what's so interesting about it is that, like, that, like, he he has a holistic understanding, but like, he doesn't he doesn't even really have as much of a holistic understanding as the whole system because, like, the the actual system that's larger than him, he is like sacrificed to that system. The whole system is creating a, a pincer movement thing that is using him as a pawn to like orchestrate it, right? Like. Because this mm-hmm. way they can create the bomb and not be responsible for creating the bomb because they push it off on like it being somebody else. It, like, it's well. There's also the whole thing about how he was a communist sympathizer, exactly. and they like basically knew that about him so that they could have something on him, right. that they could control him, right. and it's like yeah, that they'd have all the levers they need to get rid of him right. if need be, um, or whatever. Or like that's all a part of like like and i mean and oppenheimer eventually knows that you know what i mean and he and 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 that's yeah. part of him trying to write the narrative to like fix that and whatever but it's really What's a chess I mean? game of like the greatest like, single mind versus like this the the system that he himself creates like you know what i mean of this hive mm-hmm. mind postmodern thing uh, that has far I know, I mean, more I control. Think, I, than, I think you can actually. I think you can argue he's so holistic that he's actually ahead of everybody the whole time, and absolutely knows everything that's going to happen, and absolutely knows exactly what he's going to need to do in the fifties during the Red Scare when they come at him. Right. And and everything that he needs to do is everything that his wife does not want him to be. She like the whole movie. She's talking to him about why don't you fight? Why don't you fight? She's basically just like, where's your manhood? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, why don't you? Why don't you be an individual? Why don't you stand up for yourself? And he is just like a cuck yeah. who like sits in the corner and like takes his lashings yeah. and like you know accepts his martyrdom 
to hopefully get everybody on his side and to make them all feel like he was genuine in feeling remorse about what he had done and yeah just had any kind of like moral or ethical quandary about the thing at all at any point it's like always in question you know and he is ahead of strauss he like turns out to be ahead of everybody he like kind of gets what he wants and he's remembered very he's remembered in history as a man who felt bad about what he did who changed his mind. I mean, he's, he's, he's largely remembered set, for set. I become death destroyer of worlds. Like the, the, yeah, yeah, but that's, that's, quote, that's which the, is, you know, that's, not even, that's the admit, that's the admittance. What? Do you, do you know what the Bhagavad Gita is about? Uh, I mean, in general, I can, I can, I can tell you cause it's, it's important. I think it's actually really interesting and almost too poetic to be true that Oppenheimer had quoted this text. Okay. But like, it's a it's a it's a story about a uh, Pandava prince. I'm gonna like pronounce all his names wrong. I'm sure, but um, Ar- Aryuna, Arjuna, or something, and his charioteer guide Krishna. So it's like a conversation between this prince and Krishna, and there's a like there's the the be- war is beginning between his people and another people. And it's this whole dialogue about Arjuna despairing in thinking about the violence and the death and that the, the war will cause against his kin and, and and others. And he's preoccupied with this dilemma. And like ultimately, Krishna like encourages him to fill his warrior duty and fight in the war. Um, so it's like it's actually it is a philosophical text that deals specifically with moral and ethical issues of like sending people to their death, being the one who makes decisions about yeah, who lives and who dies or whatever, you know? Right. Um, right. For him to like quote this text um is almost like like so poetic. It's it's surprising, it's like a real thing. It seems like it's very well curated. You know what I mean? It seems like a very well yeah, read yeah, guy, exactly. <laughs> which is mm-hmm. part of what the you know movie keeps getting into. Is like he he knows about psychology right when psychology was new. Although it's like <laughs> it's also just kind of silly to watch a movie where somebody's like, "Oh, you're more Jungian," and they're like, "Young? You know, young? Oh my god, <laughs> you're so smart and intellectual." Actually- <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like. <laughs> Like, uh, it's also interesting, like how removed the movie actually is from his, um, from the blood that's on his hands. Like, um, you know, it doesn't give you a sequence of the bomb getting dropped on the cities. It doesn't show you those pictures they're seeing yeah, no. of the of the burned bodies. It it doesn't acknowledge um, all the native people that were like poisoned by radioactive, you know, content from the. Uh, the initial bomb testings in White Sands and whatever, you know, and they were also like displacing people from their land mm-hmm. and stuff to build Los Alamos. Uh, you know, didn't they were talk at all like, about the atmospheric uh, radiation levels. <laughs> no, just didn't. S- went skyrocketing after the forties. Oh yeah, the there's like a lot of terrible shit that was going on. Like not even in the Native Americans, the Hanford Lab, like they evacuated an entire town of people gave them like 30 days to get the fuck out of there mm-hmm. and it's like the u.s government was just going around just like that's part of the modernist thing too it's like you are all expendable there is no 
like this is the goal we need to do this we need to beat the nazis and all that is more important than you but it's like interesting that like the cost of this project is like so much more than what happened in hiroshima and nagasaki you know as far as lives lost and stuff totally totally and it's like interesting that the movie is so removed from all that and i think that's i think it's a choice in a way you know like i don't think like it's you know it's one of the complaints i think of the movie from a historical standpoint is even though it's incredibly accurate it's what it doesn't talk about um but i think that's when you're talking about the whole narrative like uh chris nolan narrative as ideology thing i really do think ultimately this movie portrays the mind of oppenheimer which is a holistically viewed thing that is very removed from the actual consequences of his actions you know um yeah i don't know it's like i don't know there's also the thing with the apple this is apparently like the only thing in the movie that um the thing with the apple like like grandson charles oppenheimer has a problem with wait hold on i just really really liked the movie yeah hello hi all right you're back sorry oh i've been here no i know know. (laughs) it was my headphones sorry um but yeah charles oppenheimer who's his grandson um really enjoyed the movie but takes issue with the apple scene because it's apparently a pretty unsubstantiated thing um, about him trying to poison his teacher with the apple. Yeah, but but it's actually in American Prometheus, and therefore it's actually kind of taken as fact in the historical record, like, for most, like, or at least it's been perpetuated as such because it's like, you know, that book was taken seriously. Right. And I think it was even, I think the poisoning of the apple was even cited as like the reason he was put on probation at the time or something like that. So it's like one of those weird, like, like not entirely substantiated things, but it's interesting that it's there. Um, Cause it's also another very like beautiful metaphor in a lot of ways about both um, like the apple in the garden and the poisoning of the apple and whatever. But like, there's like those snow white vibes, but also just like the, the nature of his morality. Like, did he actually go back to take the apple because he felt bad about it? Like he felt like he wouldn't be able to live with killing someone or is it more like he knew how much he knew he wouldn't be able to get away with it. And that this would be like completely disastrous for his ability to go on to create the bomb. Well, he didn't get away with it. No, no, I guess he didn't get away with it. Yeah, I don't know. It's that's just, what I think is. I, I think I, I think that's one of the weird parallels, right? Is that like what happened was like <clears throat> off screen, but that teacher noticed yeah, that I apple so. in the fucking trash and like I guess tested it because he got in trouble, right? <laughs> well, not in the movie, but yeah, no, he mentioned it in the movie. I guess mentioned in the movie yeah he, he said like i okay. tried to poison my teacher and that's why i like blah 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 like there was there, like you've read my file you know okay. that i tried to like all that stuff like he got caught it wasn't he didn't throw that away and that was a secret that only he knew about it was something that like okay he like he got caught and then had to like deal with the fact that he poisoned this apple but then changed his mind and then had to change the narrative and he wasn't kicked out but he was like 
you know, there was something. So this is one of the things that I, again, like I need to rewatch and kind of pay more attention to the things that they're not talking about. Um, but I, I agree. Mm -hmm. That is an interesting thing to uh, have in the movie. And I definitely thought it was interesting that like when we saw it, we saw him getting away with it. We saw him throwing it in the trash. We did see the teacher give it in a weird look. And then, like, it wasn't until, like, the end yeah, of the yeah. movie that he's talking about it that it's, like, he's talking yeah, about it in sense. a way that is, like, that. he got caught. I, also, I thought it was, like, when he was talking about you read my file and stuff, I thought that was mostly in reference to his, uh, to his uh, communist connections and whatever. Yeah, yeah, but then maybe it, wasn't, I think even, is maybe it really... wasn't even that scene with the you read my file. But there was some scene far later in the movie where he re meant he, like, talks about that he tried to kill his teacher. Um and mm. that there oh, were yeah. some yeah. repercussions of that. And I don't remember what they were because, you know, I watched Barbie since then and stuff. <laughs> but yeah, I yeah, got sure. to redo it. There's That aspect of the movie is interesting in a political sense because Nolan feels to have gotten a little bit more political in his movies as he goes on. But the whole, uh, a lot of like attention paid to the communist sympathy part of his story. And um, I I really like when his wife is being questioned at the hearing and she like talks about like how he's j essentially just had an interest in it intellectually. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I thought there was something interesting there, a parallel there about like, I mean, cancel culture in a way, I guess you would say is like this idea that, somebody who's actually like a holistic thinker and like doesn't take sides like entertains all sides and all possibilities and is willing to think about them and uh flirt with them and whatever you know right which then um, makes them susceptible to control from people who yeah don't. yeah yeah right and so it's even like you know not that like I think there is some strange uh, something to be said there about how, you know, morality isn't necessary and like having ethics and stuff isn't necessarily like it's, it's certainly not a logical, holistic way of looking at the world. It's not a scientific way of looking at the world. It's like something, it's a narrative you tell yourself so that you can... Um, make sense of all this stuff that actually doesn't have any real concrete meaning or ethics or morality. Right, which is the self, know? right? Like, which is what he's saying yeah, in Memento, yeah, yeah. basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, is exactly. That, like, there this is, is what he's been talking about. Yeah. It's part of what he's been talking about. It's what he's been talking about forever. There is like, no self. It's the, you know, mm -hmm. narrative that you apply afterwards that is the, you know, the illusion of the self. Yeah. That you had mm -hmm. some sort of decision or that you felt one way or the other. You don't have any connection to that anyway because now you're here and you're not even the same person that was there. And <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, Oppenheimer, like, when, when, when everyone else on his team was, like, denouncing the use of the bomb, like, he was not doing that, right. you know? And they were like, he was even like questioned by like Benny Safdie's character, I guess his name is Teller, um, about that. And then he's the one who like, you know, testifies against him in the hearing. Mm -hmm. 
But yeah, I don't know. There's a lot to the movie. The third act is like, wow, because like when the whole Bond thing happens, you kind of feel like you're getting close to the end of the movie, and then there's just like this whole third act of like these hearings and like this, I don't know, there's like a big dual perspective thing going on for sure with like uh, Strauss and Oppenheimer as yeah. well. I guess yeah. like the story is in some ways being told. Right, but in Strauss's the movie they call him Strauss. It's spelled Strauss, Strauss, but they always call him Strauss. And I like, it was... I, like, did it get straws? Oh, whatever. I mean, it got. I felt like it got pronounced two different did ways. It? Okay. Because well, I kept, I kept I being know, like, nobody's like named Strauss. Strauss. That's just a weird name. It's like, what do they? How do they fucking spell that? S T R A W S. And then I like after the movie was like, oh, it's Strauss. Why did they kept saying Strauss? Strauss. Maybe Strauss. I guess they called him. Strauss. Is that like I don't a, know. is that the proper way to pronounce it? I have no Strauss. idea. I, but I think I think that they were calling him Strauss because I, I kept being like, what a stupid name. How do you spell that? <laughs> Strauss. <Yeah. laughs> no, but yeah, I mean, the whole the whole dual narrative between ending. those two and the idea that like yeah, yeah, and the it's third about act and the, the way that all comes together. It's, it's, it's like, like this yeah, thing yeah. already happened, but like what we're doing is determining what happened, but like not. Not like determining what happened, but like deter, you know what I mean? Not figuring out what did happen, but like writing what happened now. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's like, like I, I, I was thinking it's, it's more, I don't know. There's the Kagamusha, the, uh, the, uh, what's it called? Um, the Rashomon thing, you know what I mean? Of like, well, there's different ways of telling this narrative, you know? Um, mm-hmm. This person could see it this way, or this person could see it that way. Um, but there's also like a Kagamusha thing. Do you, do you remember Kagamusha? I haven't actually seen that. I've seen Rashomon though. Okay. Well, I mean, so Rashomon, you like kind of see these things, and you see the the, the sort of tainted versions of this story, and then in the end, you kind of hear a true version of it. But that might be tainted too, and that's like mm-hmm. the thing. Um, in Kagamusha, you kind of like. It, it's about it's about like a uh, a uh, king of Japan who's like or an emperor or whatever or some of, of some territory I don't know he's some sort of king and he gets like a double to be like his double in like you know for security and then he dies um, at some point but like how and when he dies like in the historical record is like you know there's several different historical records of it and one he died in this one place and one he was shot by this person and one like there's all these different things and you kind of what's weird is in Kagamusha like there is no base reality like that's kind of the thing that's really interesting about it uh, Mm. is that you actually never really know when it's a double and when it's him and when he died because he died at all these different times actually and it's not that he only like it's not that like Mm. oh well in reality he died once like and like all of these are like there's one story that's true and these other ones are lies it's like well no it's all stories so like he just died 10 times like you know what i mean i don't know this is it's yeah, a, it's a yeah. weird way of oversimplifying kagabusha but that's it, there's something there's something like that in oppenheimer i think where like i don't know that nolan is showing us that things are one way or the other. I feel like he's kind of showing us that things are both ways and like kind of similarly with like that we did end the world. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, well, maybe we did Mm -hmm. end the world and we didn't like, and you know, there's, there's both ways of that. And maybe Oppenheimer did care about this and he didn't. And like, maybe he totally had a say and maybe he didn't, or maybe like maybe none of it's relevant or whatever, but like, 
it's showing you all of it instead of I don't know. It's got it's got the it's got the, the we've talked about before, but like the whole Patton thing. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. Where Patton is the movie that you can you know watch as a liberal and talk about how you know Patton was this crazy guy who thought he was talking to God and you know way overstepped his bounds because he was you know power crazed. And then you can watch it as a conservative and talk about how he was this incredible general who was like inspired by God and like fucking like got destroyed because he did one little thing wrong. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And the movie doesn't yeah, come yeah, on one sure. side or the other, but it actually like shows both. Um, this, I think, is a even more like quantum version of that where it's like showing you. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it, there's it, it's both things can exist at the same time. Um, mm hmm. Well, but it's, neither actually I mean, exists. I don't know. Yeah, it holds the it holds the ambiguity in the way that like Kubrick would or something. Yeah. Um, it's not like <clears throat> I don't think it is actually interested in like being didactic and making you feel any specific way about any of it. Um, I mean, I kind of feel like as far as Nolan's movies so far, this is the one that seems like most, I don't know, searching or something like, like he's like, it's not a very simple, not not that his own movies are simple, but it's not like, it's less elegant, I guess. (laughs) It's not. Yeah, I guess I wouldn't really call. I mean, what Nolan's been doing with his past few films very elegant. I don't know. I, I feel like Dunkirk like a, and Tenet were like incredibly elegant, like movies that were on very specific subjects and like didn't. This one, I feel like, like it's talking about so many things. Like it's talking about power in America, and it's talking about. I think largely it's talking about AI and like the like. Yeah. And in a lot of ways, I think Oppenheimer's a guy who is like one of the last you know, great men or something. Like, you know what I mean? The idea of Khan in, in uh, Star Trek, in the episode, mm-hmm. not in the movie, but uh, in Space Seed, Khan, where it's talking about like, yeah, well, there used to be these real great leaders of men who could like take over things or whatever, and we froze them because like back in, you know, the 20th century, you could have these crazy men, you know what I mean? And now, like, we all just yeah, yeah. want to sit here and play on computers and, you know, but, and yeah, there are Kirks around, but, you know, there used to be cons, like you know what I mean. I, I kind of feel like similarly, <laughs> like Oppenheimer is like one of those, where it's like, now nah, this is somebody who could have a holistic knowledge in a way that is like pretty unprecedented. Like I mean, not just un- like well, he almost I mean, he almost one up. He like one up Hitler as being like the man of the moment, right, the one right. who changed the world. You know, right. And I think that like it's like great in but, but like great individuals like that like people who can have that amount of like i don't know there, there's there's something about yeah, a great like, man like, there like that i think discussed... that what he did is like then he used all of that power to create a system that negated the possibility of like there being a great man like sort of thing you know what i mean like yeah, he's the yeah. last of that like, and it kind of feels to me like it's a it, i mean and i'm not saying he's the last necessarily but like that's it's the idea of him being the last of that or one of the last of that and creating a paradigm in which that can't kind of be successful um because like i i feel like it, it's it's similar to like if you're you know if you're training computer programs to get like uh like if you're if you're typing up a bunch of reviews on movies and then you know you're just letting a uh 
AI algorithm, look up all those or whatever, then they can build a AI version of your brain and then like compete with you and destroy you based on your own input and whatever. Like it's like selling out yourself to that system thing. Like, you know what I mean? Um, anything that you yeah. put out well, that AI know. can and... suck up like a uh, data collecting algorithms. Like, and I, I think that basically like Oppenheimer, that's the thing that he really creates or, or that's part of what he really creates this idea of this network system like it's the bomb is what he creates but like he doesn't really create the bomb like you know what i mean he creates the system and the political like system that like creates the bomb you know what i mean he like creates yes, this isolated uh, thing seems... that's set up with the, these different cells that work together through a networked system that has like central government control over it that like none of the individuals can fuck with and the government can take out any piece of that system at any point and so no individuals have any power against that thing like he creates that um the government does too and like he doesn't have a choice in creating it because he's just the person who's put in charge of creating it and whatever <laughs> you know what i mean i mean it but just doesn't seem it, i'm just like it doesn't seem like he has control over any of it actually and that's like what we've already brought up talking about him and almost like he's just uh the a force of nature just fulfilling a, a prophecy right or something not right. actually like incredibly conscious of anything but that's that's the paradoxical both and of being like the holistic thinker sees everything and has total control except you don't have any control at all because you're completely enslaved by the determination of well, because, all of these no, but I think it's, it's because he's turned over the holistic thing to a network Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like it's like in, in the creation of this bomb, in the creation of this bomb program, like he can see the whole picture or whatever. And then he creates this system of this network like thing. And then that is the thing that has all of the power. Like, you know what I mean? It is, it is true. They, it sort of gets taken out of his hands. Like, but he gives he it, does. But he creates the thing that takes it out of his hands. Yeah. Yeah. Which is basically the same story as Tenet. Like, it's it's about this technology is created and therefore this paradigm surrounding the technology that has to control the technology, which is necessitated by the technology, like, is just created without any individual wanting it. It's just the technology necessitates it. Um, and mm-hmm. then the individuals realize after the fact that, oh, this is what I was actually thinking is what I actually wanted. And it's like, well, not really, dude. This was just... Yeah, the, I mean, the bowl very was being like... filled with the, with the uh, marbles. You know what I mean? This was, this was just... It was proliferating. It was, it's happening. Like, and you're just a cog. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, like, the movie's saying a lot more than that, you know? And, and, and it is about directing and stuff. But, yeah, it's... Also, yeah, it's a bleak movie, dude. It's a bleak movie. Really yeah. cynical about the future, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's like very Cronenberg uh, y, too. And it's like its idea of modernism, technology, totally. dehumanization, totally. and whatever. And 
I mean, one of the one of the most. I mean, the, obviously, the sex scenes felt like they were trying to be Cronenberg, and they failed. Um, if you ask me, Florence Pugh titties. What? Florence Pugh titties. Yeah, well, I mean, those are great. Um, I'll take those any day, but still, you know, it was just very. I don't know. It didn't. It like it wasn't weird enough to be it weird, weird, and it wasn't not like it wasn't sexy enough to be sexy. It wasn't anything like. It felt like it was trying to be Cronenberg, yeah. but it also, like intellectually, it was great. Just aesthetically, it was not. But I really do like the idea of him reading the "I Am Become Death, Destroyer of Worlds" while like fucking. Um, I think that's like a really great again like pre-production just conceptual idea. Uh, in that, mm-hmm. like it's it's you know the French uh, word le, le petit mourir. You know what I mean? The little death that's coming and shit. You know. And the idea yeah, yeah, yeah. of like do, doing the I am become death destroyer of worlds and attaching that to coming and the idea of the explosion and the orgasm and the thing that I guess Kubrick's been doing since Strange Love, but like it, yeah, there, there's something yeah. that like tying that together, which also ties the ideas of the social structures to the science and the, which he's already tied to the art, which is also tied to the systems engineering and to the political sphere. And it's, you know, there's something about tying all those mm-hmm. things in that really makes it about like, he is not just a guy that made a bomb. Like he's kind of like, like an antichrist. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? It's kind of like he was possessed by this like thing that was like completely outside of his control. And like, he just had to do this thing. And he brought about like the end of time. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, like, (laughs) as far as like what, if you build it, they will come. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But, like, they'll come in lots of different ways. In their know? pants. Yeah. <laughs> it's... Yeah. I really dug... Uh, I really dug a lot about this movie. It was really exhausting in a lot of ways, too. I actually... I, I thought I thought both this and Barbie were both exhausting. Really? In, like, in certain ways. Yeah. Like Barbie was like exhausting, and in the third act, I started to get like a little exhausted by it because it's so it's so just like, um, it is just that thing the whole time where it's just like beating you over the head with this thing. Yeah, and you know, and then, but like Oppenheimer was more just on like a nerves level. Like the movie never takes a break; it's just constant noise and information for three hours straight, which is like. Certainly an aesthetic trigger warning, honestly. And, like, not the thing I love about modern Nolan, even though I think it's, like, a choice and it's justified and, like, I can definitely dig the effect it has in a way. But I also sort of do understand why people would be a little bit adverse to the Nolan aesthetics at this point. Um... Cause yeah, it's it's like it was it was similar to Tenet, in how just like and the Dark Knight Rises. Honestly, it's like ever since that movie, where it's like his like his aesthetic has become so much more like we're telling a huge three hour story, but there's so much shit in it that like everything has to be compressed, and like everything in this movie feels like you're in a hydrant, like a an atom collider or whatever. You're just like a, yeah. You're like, there's literally no space between dialogue. Yeah, You're yeah, like, yeah. everybody speaks directly into everybody else's sentences, yeah. and there's no 
and there's music happening the entire time and there's constant like escalation in the soundtrack that leads to like that leads to like a drop but then but never like fully goes away there's like i think the only moment that's silent in the movie is when the bomb goes off yeah you know it's like the only moment of peace there was a there was a completely Um, silent moment in barbie too was there where was it when she said uh, about thinking of death like does anybody ever think of death or whatever oh, the first yeah, time yeah, completely yeah, silent true. for a while like it's it's a couple of seconds um and it was Holy long enough for the shit. whole theater to kind of like <laughs> hear people like start kind of giggling <laughs> like, it was, like the, the theater yeah, was yeah. silent i was the only person who cracked up right when she said that it's line. pretty weird and I was like, oh, that shit, like I be quiet. it's all silent in here <laughs> yeah it's pretty weird that this barbenheimer connection is is there because like the idea that like she would say, does anyone think about death? And that would be the pause in that movie. And then the pause in Oppenheimer is when he fucking, then the bomb goes off. Totally. And then he says, I'd become death, destroyer of worlds. Like, that's so fucking trippy. Totally, totally. <laughs> I mean, the real, the, real, the real test is to sync them up. Yeah, man. Sync up both Barbie well, and I mean, Oppenheimer on that moment. And then you'll see what they're both on that saying. Moment. <laughs> They're both Warner Brothers movies. They're both productions under the same roof. Yep. It's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, not many movies do a Big. totally silent moment. It's a, it's a weird, like, 2001 does, but, like, it's only because Nolan did that restoration that he's been doing that mm-hmm. extreme shit. Uh. I love that. I mean, there, there, there aren't, like, a ton of... Um, spectacly cinematic moments in Oppenheimer, but like that, like a lot of the scenes post bomb when, um, <clears throat> you know, like when he's in front of that audience and they're like slamming their feet and then he's like making that speech, but like the sound cuts out and like they all like rise out of their seats and start clapping, but all you can hear is like the actual sound of them sitting up and not like yeah, yeah, yeah. the clapping yeah. or the like, there's just like really weird. Like psychedelic. Oh yeah, and all the stuff like choices like, in the moving behind him all the time and stuff. There's a yeah, the, the the background behind him like it's wiggling and like starting to shake. Yeah, when that was going and on, he, like, I was steps like, how's this that, movie, like, movie going to end? Like with a guy walking down a hallway, being like, "This is the life of a mind. I'll show you the life of the mind." Because <laughs> like, how weird <laughs> is this going to get? You I'll know show you I mean? the life of the mind. I'll show you the life of the mind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like Oppenheimer. It's like, <laughs> I'll show you the life of the mind. <laughs> John Goodman, John Goodman shows just shows up. up out of the bomb. It's like how how surrealist are we going right here? Because like all of a sudden it felt like Garden yeah, State. Yeah. Like what are we doing? But I liked it. I liked yeah, it. I was like all about the, it. Like, or like, the, or like the Aviator or something. Yeah, yeah. It like starts to get like super surreal. No, totally, totally. It was it was like almost a Scorsese choice. Um, and he, mm-hmm. I, I like that he was more confident in doing stuff like that in this movie. I thought that it was gonna be. I don't know though. Maybe the, this is this is the thing. Man, there's. There's things that I'm missing. So I part of what I'd like to know is why that stuff is like that. Um, other than just, yeah, you know, yeah. the basic, like, well, it's fun. But, uh, there's you know. also, like, you know, there's the, there's the fusion fission titles. Where do those appear? There's, like, yeah. a lot of the footage is in black and white. Why is the footage that's in black and white in black and white? I don't, you know, like... I think, I think those are all... Like, I think... I, think I, I don't know. Yeah, I... 
I think the black and white scenes are supposed to be like the quote unquote like objective scenes. Like that's the, those are the scenes that are like the furthest in the future that are trying to like paint the picture of the entire narrative. Okay. Including the strat the strat straws thing or whatever. Okay. Okay. But I can't really confirm that. I just don't really. Yeah. yeah. Gotta like there was like couldn't like specifically answer the question of why it was changing from color to black and white, and I was kind of like, well, I feel like it's just to like let you know there's a time jump, but I'm not really sure how consistent it is or whatever there are like a lot of interesting aesthetic decisions in the movie like visually and especially in the audio um that yeah don't have fully parsed yeah but even though i did find the movie like a little bit aesthetically exhausting like i really did like that about it i really feel like it's a form meeting function thing it's part and parcel to his whole aesthetic at this point totally and kind of just like what's to be expected it's not really like, yeah, like you pretty much just at this point shouldn't be watching Nolan movies if you can't like deal with that type of like loud heightened tension for three hours, right. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just well, kind of like where for he's a, at. You know, realistic ro- romance or you know, yeah, human yeah. characters or so, like you know what I mean. I feel I feel like a lot of times like, <laughs> I hear criticisms of stuff that Nolan's doing, and it's always the exact same thing. Where it's like, okay, well, like that's fine, but it's like, you know, you're not going to David Lynch and being like, yeah, that's not realistic. Like I, none of that would have happened in the real world. It's like, yeah, no, I, we we know yeah, that's yeah. that's why we're seeing this type of movie. <laughs> like you know what I mean? It's like part sure. of Nolan's thing. It's just like, yeah, well, I'm seeing a Nolan movie. That's you know, I don't expect this to, you know. I don't expect to be crying over how romantic this, this, you know, long lost love is that, you know, has killed herself or whatever, or was killed by the government. You saw that? Yeah, yeah. The glove. Mm-hmm, the glove. One yeah. shot of the glove. Which? Yeah, there's, there's details, there's things, and they fly right past you because it's a lot of information at once. Yeah. But I think that so, some of that, yeah, some of I mean, that like surrealism allows it to hide things, and I'm wondering how many things I, I that have been, like were hidden. You know what I mean? That I haven't picked up mm-hmm. on yet. Uh, yeah, for sure. But well, until next time, man. I think we've done a, like over two hours. So, is there, is there anything else you wanted to touch on before we sign off? Uh, I know. <laughs> 